It's life on life's terms. Once again, this is the Life on Life's Terms podcast. I'm Tom Robinson, and uh, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we're big fans of them. Uh, I'm Chris Mandeville, and we are here at a New Way Recovery Center, who is ever so gracious to donate this space for us to provide you with this podcast. Um, It's at 85 Quincy Ave in Quincy, Mass. Also in Quincy, Mass, tonight is the um, overdose vigil, if you guys want to go down to the center. To the square, um, overdose visual. Yes, because most of the people that we know have been touched by this. Um, yeah. And you can look us up on at lolterms.com. Uh, we are on iTunes. Google Play. Google Play is Stricker. The, the Life on Life's Terms podcast. Yeah, please, so please subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> um, and tonight we have Brian from Recovery Matters. And she will be discussing um, what I think is kind of a controversial topic, um, but I think it's like gone askew from what it was originally supposed to be, um, it, and it's harm reduction. Uh, yeah, but so, I think she wanted you didn't you you wanted to yes, get into she, how you got into sure. qualified working for treatment qualify as well. So thank you, awesome. thank you both for having me here, uh, and I do represent Recovery Matters. I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner. I've been a nurse for 40-plus years. Um, I was telling these guys before we started that my first job in substance abuse was in methadone maintenance, um, and that was back in the day when the most methadone you could get would be 40 milligrams. Um, the longest you could stay on methadone would be six months. There was a 21, 90, and 180-day program. So, and, and honestly, I think that would be amazing now. It no. would be lovely if yeah. we could at least offer it as an option. Right, right. Instead of... For life. Know, yeah, life. Open-ended, no end in stage, no um, no plan to get off it. Right. I grew up in an alcoholic family. I always wondered, why did how did I get into um, working in this field? I was a community health nurse, and I would go into people's homes, and I would see some of the wreckage of alcoholism, um, and it kind of clicked. It reminded me of my own family, even though when you grow up in the middle of it, it seems normal. It was a, it was a, um, a direct family, immediate family? Yeah, my dad. Okay. My dad. Did you ever consider going to uh, adult children's? I did. It's for, uh, oh, you for did? a period of time. I did. Actually, uh. I went to Boston College. Okay. And um, nice. in one of our religion classes, the priest that was teaching the class encouraged us to go to an AA meeting. And I remember going to that meeting, and it's this huh. is a long, long time ago. Um, and it was mostly men, and it was all white men, and they looked like my dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And this is prior to knowing that knowing you had an anything, issue. Yeah, knowing yeah. anything. Um, and I did. I, I did a stint in. Uh, adult children, and then I went to Al-Anon. And for sure, having been exposed and involved and participating actively in those programs helped me in the work I do today. Because in the beginning, I'm either going to fix you 
or I'm going to punish you for not doing what I suggested, which was get sober. Yeah. Um, and that right. can get you in a lot of trouble. Mm. So, oh, that's interesting. But it yeah. was back back then in the halls, like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Sit down up front, shut up. You don't have nothing to offer listen. and listen. Take the cotton out of your ears and stuff <laughs> it in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right, you know, and I think that there's there, there's a place for that. I don't. I'm not saying there's there's not a place. Like I've always heard, don't coddle an addict. Mm. Yeah, which always made sense to me. But you know, maybe maybe there are some addicts that need to be coddled. I don't know, but I know that I, the, I don't mind coddling once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm of the I'm of the philosophy that if you baby them, you bury them. That's right. But you, that's but right. But that's me. That's my place, opinion. Place for that. Yeah. That's you know. Yes, yeah, some people you have to be gentle with and that's why we got to bring the term turnabout back because that's what that's what it was all about yeah for sure and i mean the gift for me is having worked in the field since 1982 so i've coddled them i've punished them i've begged them i've ignored them and finally through the grace of god myself i've been able to um intuitively know when to give somebody a little love and when to well that's the key isn't it yeah. I mean, yeah. you want to treat them all the way you'd want to be treated. Right, right. So Love right. and tolerance. We're, we're the same. You know, there but for the grace of God go I. So I'm sitting in a chair. How can I help? How can I um, provide you? What is the quality of your life that you want to change? Mm. Well, that's why we went through a therapeutic community. Ah. And yes. There was no bullshit in the bullshitters that are there because we were all bullshitters. We knew when you were bullshitting. So that's why I believe it needs to be in existence. There's a place for that, and it doesn't exist anymore, and there's a problem there. And and that's the thing. like Something like that, insurance is not going to pay for. Insurance is not going to, you know, oh, no, you're talking about um, God or what? No, we can't do that. That's skin right. in the game. People yeah. don't have to have skin in the game anymore, which is where I've – that's kind of Recovery Matters came about as a response to um, essentially safe injection sites. That's where it started. In 2016, there was a group at Boston, and I work primarily in, in Boston, uh, came up with the idea that we needed to have a place for people to – inject under the watchful eye of a nurse or, uh, of course, it would be a nurse, never a doctor, because if something, when it hits the fan, it's oh, the yeah. nurse it's who's going to get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so wow. we came together. We invited, actually, um, a report. She wasn't a reporter. She's a psychiatrist who writes for the Wall Street Journal, Sally Sattel, who to come to Boston to see what we were doing. Um, we partnered with Metro Boston Alive, which is a um, well-known group in Roxbury run by Greg Davis and a bunch of people. None of these people take money from DPH, which right, is kind right. of the the issue. It, and that's where uh, That's we, what I'm saying too. Yeah. See the Department of Health is what ruined our program because when it went over when it changed, when it changed locations, they rewrote the program so that people would be able to complete because the DPH needed yeah. numbers for yes. people to complete. Now, you can take a guy funded. coming out of jail for 20 years, and he's going to complete a six-month program like it doesn't even matter to right. him. And then he'll go out and do the exact same thing and not change at all. And that's, you know, yeah. I mean, give me yeah. a break. That's, so, you, you know, know I, I see that. I mean, there's so many issues to talk about. I mean, we talked about harm reduction. Right. And I worked in AIDS back in the 80s, and harm reduction back then – I was all for it. What I was for was give someone a clean needle, mm. 
and they will give you a dirty needle in that what you will do is reduce or stem the spread of bloodborne infections. Yep. We and, weren't doing you, anything more than, but we weren't just giving out needles, give me the dirty needle, and listen to my spiel for a few minutes. Yep. And it's so crazy, you don't even really hear of AIDS much anymore. Mm-mm. Well, it's, well. It's, yeah, it's, no longer, it's no longer a death sentence, but it is still out there. But the, prob- the thing about needles is, and the, the bigger uh, thing among, in my day was hep C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody was getting hep C yeah. like crazy. And it's, they still are. They still they are still getting are. hep yeah. C. Yeah. But now, I mean, this is where harm reduction has kind of veered off, is that it isn't necessarily reducing the harm. It may be continuing the harm. Because now mm. there's no expectation that when I give you a clean needle, you're going to give me a dirty one back. Mm. So the streets, particularly down around Boston Medical Center and Southampton Street and New Market Square, is littered. Littered. Right. With, That's with a used problem. Needles. Yeah. I, it, I, it's funny because I actually watched the Drugs Inc. last night on. Mm-hmm. They call it methadone mile. Methadone mile. Um, well, we don't want to stigmatize anybody. No. Th- I mean, that's what they said on it. <laughs> but that's and, what I call it, Yeah, too. and, you know, it's it's sad. Where, I've been down this? there. It's right when you come off of Mass Ave. It's right between Andrews Square and 93 in Boston yeah. Medical Center. Yeah, 1010 Mass Ave down to Tremont Street. the first Street. time I saw uh, Steve um, Mitchell, Steve uh, yeah. Freedom Rock, I saw, I, after he, the guy we went through a program with, and after he left... And I was sober for a little while after I left that program that time. And uh, I saw him there. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't looking good. And he's, no. he passed away now. He passed away two years ago. I mean, it's a place. That area is a is a ghetto, a ghetto for lost souls. Yes. You know? it's, it seems it's, like it's just drugs, yeah. It's it very, it's very sad um, because, like, I drive through there, and I remember being that person. Mm. Yeah. You know, it and it makes me extremely grateful. Um and you know, like the people out there stemming, like I was driving oh. I was driving down there one time, the guy with the cup. Yeah. And uh I I rolled down my window and I handed out the uh the big book, the first hundred and uh was it hundred and twenty six? Sixty four. Sixty four, right. Uh pages, the little one. It's like psh, and I look at my mirror, he's looking at me, he's like yeah, <laughs> but see, but you see, that is something that is for me particularly troubling is that they don't see recovery. They don't see, even though there have to be a half a dozen, if not more, programs supposedly that right are there. entryways right for there. people to go into. But um, oh, yeah. they don't see recovery. They don't see anybody getting well. No, I I didn't. I didn't like. I came into you know a twelve step fellowship via incarceration mm-hmm. i went to detox the only reason i went was because i had no hustle i didn't have money it wasn't mm-hmm. to get sober i didn't know anything well, about that, sobriety well, that's the thing you see for me getting sober was the hardest thing i ever did mm. and there's no way i'm gonna do the hardest thing i've ever done you know while kicking drugs w- well no without pain Oh, well, yeah. that's the whole thing. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not. It, pain is going to be the motivator. They My, don't want to feel any pain today. No, right. Nope. Give me the Suboxone. Give me the Seroquel for sleep. Give me the Johnnies because I have anxiety. I tell people. I say, God. you know what? The, you know, people that get treated for cancer, they spend two years. They lose their hair. They vomit their guts out. But they fight. And guess what? A number of people get through it. Recovery is hard work. Really, mm. really hard work. Right. But each day is a day beyond where you were yesterday if right. you can possibly learn to tolerate yep. some of the discomfort. 
Oh yeah. my god! And when you get that here, and when you start to see that it's it's kind of in the rearview mirror a little bit, it starts to feel really good. Just get incredible just, for me. It was just getting the first night's sleep. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it was. You know. Without meds, but they don't even yeah. give people a chance to do that. I work, and that's I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and my the expectation that is I write prescriptions. Yeah, and I, mm. I mean, I have a reputation for not writing prescriptions and encouraging people to use whatever it is: exercise, meditation, yeah, natural fruit stuff, juice, you know, Na- natural prayer, remedies. anything. Yeah, yeah, um, because the medicine keeps you kind of stuck. Yes, in a lot of ways. we the the U.S. consumes so much medication. We make up. I've said this before. We make up four percent of the population in the world, mm-hmm. but we consume eighty five percent of the opiates, opiates produced. Exactly, exactly. Eighty five percent, and we only make up four percent of the population. That's an issue. Yeah, I mean, and you do. I mean, the narrative is that you know Johnny's a. Great student, a wonderful kid. He breaks his arm. He gets meds from the doctor. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit skewed. I don't think Johnny. I think Johnny might have had a couple issues before because there are a lot of kids that get, you know, uh, actually break their arm, and their parents are more, more oh, I see. So watchful. That's, you know, that's the narrative is because we want to blame the, the we want to blame somebody. Right. So he got addicted to drugs because yeah, of the because doctor. Because of the doctor. Saying, yeah. mm. Now, granted, there are, because uh, there's a dentist, there's an ortho, uh, oral surgeon out in one of the fancy suburbs who prescribes 25 Percocet for every young adolescent that comes in and has two or four wisdom teeth removed. Mm. Somebody in our group went wow. to him and had a little conversation with him, and he sees nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You know, well, so like, there's a wow. lot of, there are a lot do, of providers. I know. Do you, do you ask? Are you in pain? Do you think? And I've been in a situation, and I've seen others in situations where they were in pain, and they refused pain medication, and these medical professionals push, insisted, push. insist. And, like, for me, if I'm not in the right frame of mind, you ask me more than once, I'm probably going to take you up on it. Right. You know, it's, it's like I have enough you I have enough strength to say no once or maybe twice. But now you're going into the third time and it's like, "Eh, maybe I'll take it just in case." Just because in case. it just, just starts. Right. Know? Right. Well, especially when you were new in sobriety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I yes. I separated my shoulder and I was and this was before I went through any type of step work. Um I was years sober. Uh I separated my shoulder. As soon as I heard it in my head, I'm going to get pain meds prescribed and it's going to be okay. I go to the hospital. I'm under that assumption. And my higher power walks in the room disguised as my son. And my son (laughs) says, Dad, you know you can't take pain meds, right? And I was like, absolutely. I know that. Thank you. And I looked up and I said, thank you. You know, it's, but that's how my mind worked, you know. It's very sad because I have a friend who's a good 10 or 15 years into recovery, and he just got rotator cuff surgery, and I talked, I had to talk him off the ledge. He said, I, I can't take pain meds. I can't take pain meds. And I'm like, wait a minute, Franny. Let's just take a breath. You have a wife. You have a good support system. You mm. might need pain meds. My sponsor um, took uh, pain meds uh, for a shoulder surgery, and uh, he went through it, and he did. He... he um, 
you know, he was afraid that if he didn't take them, he would be in excruciating pain and he would go get something. Yeah. So Well, that's I mean, the thing, especially with surgery, you have to kind of keep ahead of it in the beginning. Right. Not right. for long. You know, right. 72 hours and I don't Right. You know, and you need some but you need somebody there too right. who's, who's going to be like and, All and right. I've I've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I was attempting to ration out these and then some of them went missing and then (laughs) someone else was blamed and then Mm. it was a ended up a full-on relapse and we're going on i don't know three years later and it's still affecting my life you know i've seen it I've, i've watched it you know it's for myself i won't take anything home if I'm in somewhere, I have a procedure. Sure, but while you're there, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I've learned about I learned about this uh, in one treatment center. I learned about this um, chemical process that happens in your body. It's um, and it's it acetaldehyde's made in the liver, and then it goes into this makes and mixes with dopamine in the brain, and, and it's stored mm. uh, as a substance. Thiq is I don't remember. You know, it's over my pay grade at this point. <laughs> So anyway, and she's a nurse. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was uh, my my step grandfather's program. I went through. He was pretty intense. Really. Yeah, but anyway. Um, so what the bottom line is, as your body has this stuff in there, it, it wants to do this process. So that's why it it feels like you pick right back up where you left off mm. with the cravings right away as soon mm. as you use it again. Uh, it's chemical. Yeah, know? we're a big bag of chemicals. Right. <laughs> and everything affects everything else. Right. But yet there are people that, like, walk on coals. Because right. their mind has set them up. For oh, us. absolutely. You know, your mind is a very powerful thing. Very, very powerful. That's right. Absolutely. Um, you can get through it. But that's, what the, that's the thing about the, the drugs. When you're in active addiction, your mind is clouded. Absolutely. Yep. That's yeah. why it's different from gambling addiction or something like this, because you're not... You're a normal person. You're, you're clouded. Your brain mm. isn't working on all cylinders. And though I understand that gambling addiction is, is real and other addictions are real, but I think there's a little added dimension to a drug addiction because yeah. it clouds your mind. And, and when, when I went through the treatment center, um, you know, they send you on a, a Social Security appointment automatically. Everybody goes. And... You know, the doctor's asking me these questions. He's like, um, do you have any depression? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little depressed. Uh, do you have any anxiety? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, at this point, uh, I had done 10 months and then got on parole. Um, but there was really no I, – I actually graduated from a drug program while I was in jail that I never attended. I worked the entire time. And then I get to Project Turnabout, and it's the same exact program that I just went through. And I'm like, phase one, one, phase one, two? Like, right. whoa. So, you know, I, I didn't really address anything, um, but it's where I found what worked for me. Uh, and, you know, the the doctor's like, okay, so you have anxiety. Would you like something for that? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, Yes, I'm like, is there anything else I can do other than take a pill? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, like a breathing exercise or something. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 there's lots of that stuff. Okay, what is it? 
Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> okay. Anxiety is the price we pay to be human. Right. But well, also, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sober. I'm going to have anxiety over, yeah. over, over the fear of the unknown. I don't, know what's, I don't know what recovery is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm anxious. I look back at what I've done. I'm depressed. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you're going to be anxious and you're going to be depressed when you first get sober. Absolutely. No matter what. So I believe that if you give yourself some time and you have a lengthy diagnosis it and you feel you still need something because you can't get past it, okay. But they just want to go, wham, here you well, go. Back in the old days, um, you had to be 90 days drug-free before they would address your mental health issues. Mm. You That's know, they, brilliant. They, what happened to that? It doesn't make any sense otherwise. Well, I think the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry have wrecked havoc with this mm. illness, this disease, this disorder, right. whatever. whatever right. And, and, and we've, we had a guest on here who worked in Big Pharma, and mm. he was like, you know, he talked about that blanket statement. We pull it over all medical mm-hmm. and pharmaceutical. He works in oncology. So, like, it was he he like broke it down and separated it for us, you know. It's, well, he says that you know there's there's certain people who who are, who are very dedicated and and good hearted people trying to help people, right? Absolutely, in that industry. So it's not the whole. It's but it's a huge. You look at a pharmaceutical company; it's a giant right. company, and, and some of those people are marketers and salespeople. And, and, and we all know, we all know, human nature, if you though. cure something, you can no longer benefit from it financially. But if you treat it, you can benefit forever. Yeah. I mean, in, in Great Britain, you cannot be on benzodiazepines for more than two weeks. Period. The end. Really? Yes. Wow. Wow. Really? I mean, that's their national health um, insurance. You know, like uh, mm. we don't have Obamacare or, or whatever it is, yep. national. Yep. But that's Single it. Single payer. Single payer. Yeah. yeah. You cannot. I suppose if you want and you have money, you could go out and find someone that would prescribe it more for you. Right. But for the general population, you can't have benzos more than two weeks. It's a you know short term, time limited. You wow. know, let's that's get over the initial and that's problem. A, that's another thing. Like other countries have a completely different healthcare system, exactly, as opposed to us, exactly. Like yeah. it's. And there, there are levels of tolerance mind. of pain. I've worked in third world countries where, you know, people are living with massive, you know, tumors on their chest and yeah, their or body or HIV or, yeah. and all this stuff. And there's no pain. They use, you know, um, something like Tylenol, paramecentamol. That's that's another thing I've heard that they, they made. They made. Um, I don't know how you say it. They made oh. pain a symptom. Exactly, the fifth vital sign. Yes, a vital sign. Yes, the pain is a vital, vital sign. sign. That's what it is. Like, oh, here, show me on this chart of ten faces where your pain is. You know. I mean, you wow. go into CVS and there's uh, two aisles full of cold medications, and we all know that cold medications basically are snake oil. I mean, it might you know help you sleep a little bit because it's an antihistamine, or it might dry up your. But it doesn't cure the common right. cold. No, right. You There's know, no cure, chicken yeah. soup and, you know, sleep and 
those yeah. kinds of things. Taking care right. of yourself. Are better, you yeah. know? I like the nose drops, but you, can, you can't use them too much. Oh, the Afrin? Yeah. Yeah, because that, that opens that everything right up. <laughs> you, but well, you have rebound. It's, you yeah, get addicted. Right. It says right on it, do not use for more than yeah. two days, I think. Yeah, yeah. two days. Yeah. yeah, because it just it's rebound. It does the well. reverse. Yeah. It'll actually make them swollen That's and close right. up now. Right. And I tell people that, and they're like, what? So you only use it very sparingly. Yeah. My grandmother, at some point, my, now my grandmother died at 40 years sober. At one point during her sobriety, she had she would have twenty of those little bottles with the things and the little dropper things. We used to call yeah. them when we were kids, quiqui neosinephrine. Yeah, <laughs> twenty of them in the in the thing. So unbelievable on the cabinet. So what's going on in in? So Recovery Matters is having a conference on September eighth at the uh, local one hundred and three in Dorchester. Um, it's a uh, day the long electricians hall. Yeah, yeah. a day long program. Um, and we're going to be talking, you know, we are open to all, all ways that people find recovery. We want people to get well. Um, the group as a whole, we have pharmacists, nurses, nurse practitioners, people in recovery. And we've invited different speakers to talk about things from uh, Jake Nichols and Allison Burns are our pharmacists. And they are going to talk about medication. Mm. And we all believe in the use of medication, but we believe in it basically for time-limited, treatment-focused um, care. We have somebody coming to speak about Section 35. We are definitely open to um, coerced treatment. Yes. Um, we've well, invited- tell you what, that, that helped me, Section 35. Yeah. I mean, the DPH wants to do away with it. Why? Listen. I know people that that has absolutely 100% saved their life. I mean, the governor wanted to have people that had overdosed be held for 72 hours. I think it should have happened. Didn't happen. And and I, I, I do believe pretty, I do pretty. believe it was signed into law that a section 35 is 90 days. What? Or you could be held up to 90 30, days. 30. I don't 30. Think is it 30? It's 30. Yeah. 30 days. The governor is uh has got a pretty high office around yeah. this part. He yeah. has, um, he's very supportive of what we stand for. Yes. How yes. do they shoot it's that down? Politics. Yes, they, they don't. It, it, someone somewhere didn't want that to happen, and so it didn't. Hey, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, I'm telling you, there were people that want the safe injection sites and still are, you know, advocating for it. Here's what I say about safe injection sites. If you want to have a safe injection site in a hospital, right off the emergency room, knock yourself out. But people that live in communities where drug addiction is rampant, and even people that live in communities, you know, um, like I, I always see it for the inner city, you know, down on yeah. Methadone Mile or in Roxbury, you're not going to see a safe injection site. That's where you're going to see the safe injection yeah. site. You're not going to see you're it. You're not going to go to Arlington Hanover and see one. Or yeah. Yeah. Natick. Where right. where is it that uh, I mean wh- what is it that, that that it would be? Would it be a, in, a room inside a building? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, where you would come in with your drugs and you would come in with your street drugs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that I think it was Brilliant. The first one was actually so a safe tent when you come in, wasn't it? It was so safe when you come in with a bag of 100% pure fentanyl. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that it's probably going on underground. Oh, right absolutely. Now, right now yeah. in different places. Yeah. Um, the, and, and like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to medicated treatment mm-hmm. if it's done correctly. Yeah. And it's monitored. 
Like I could see like that. we we were discussing earlier. You you said um, the highest you could go was forty milligrams. That was some methadone. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, and the, it got to a point where I knew people that were on like two hundred and forty mm-hmm, milligrams. Mm-hmm. You'd have to put it in a cup. Yeah, Mix not not the little dose cup, <laughs> uh, a Dixie cup, <laughs> little Dixie cup. Yes, exactly. And like I don't know if. Like maybe they were started to get paid per milligram or, you know, like I, I have no idea. So I can't really speak Most on Most of it. the methadone clinics are um, private. Yes, and, they are. Know, so they're money making. And, mm-hmm. you know, it count the people that go in. If they don't have people going in, then they're not going to be making money. Right. So, th- so this is this is an awareness event that you're having. Yes. Um, and and w- and it's to it's to support and advocate for recovery, real solid recovery. We right. want people to come and see that there are people that are sober. I mean, the patients I serve in most of the places that I work now, I don't see anybody that can maintain sobriety more than eighteen months, maybe two years. Mm. So we don't see people that right. are sober Relapse. five or ten or beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so easy, they want you to take meds. They, you know, they want you to to, you know, standalone medication. I mean, some people want people to be on buprenorphine, just buprenorphine. Every, you can walk into the emergency room at a hospital, probably a lot of hospitals, but one in particular, and say, "I'm a drug addict. I'm dope sick. I don't even know if they'll take a urine on you. They'll like look at you and think, yeah, this is someone that's sick. They'll give you 72 hours worth of Suboxone to take out and give you an appointment to show up for some more. So you can, wow. A, take your Suboxone, go sell it and get dope oh and then goodness. come back and do the same thing over again. Detoxes are no wrong door, no wrong door. So I work in a detox and I see the same people week after week after week. Yeah, that was that the was old, a law that was that was written yeah, a few years that's back, right? right? Yeah, this was part, as a response to the opiate crisis. Mm. I mean, What's in the old days, no wrong door. What does that mean? That means anytime you want to go to detox, you just walk in, and if there's a bed, they have to give it to you. Yeah. Okay. In the old days, you could only go to detox once every thirty days. Oh. You know, because if yeah. you if you tear up or you know waste the time that you're there, or say screw it, I want to leave, then you go to the back of the the bus. Yeah, you know, and, they, and I remember a few years back they were trying to scare everybody with the red flag. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. oh no, you're a red flag from Mass Health. You can't go to treatment no more. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay out there for a while, basically. Mm-hmm. And know. now because people are dying, I mean, I understand wanting to prevent fatal overdoses, but people I've had, I've had people who tell me they've been Narcan 19 times. What are we doing? Right. How are we helping people? Right. We are keeping them alive. Alive for what? Yeah. Yeah. Alive to be a zombie. Like, it's being sad. being alive is a great thing, but they can have a life that's way better. Right. right. And There's being so alive, I mean, I tell them every time you're Narcan, it's like getting hit by an NFL lineman because we don't even know what that Narcan is doing to you as it jolts you back into reality you know yeah I, I mean they say that it you know a we, normal we, person can just take it but we yeah. don't know what the i mean how long has it been around yeah but the the addict doesn't care about that right they're right. shooting heroin out of, out of a puddle yeah that was you me know, they don't care about that so but the 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 point is they're they're clouded mm. they're not thinking right so of course they're going to choose the easier softer path we're always looking for the easier softer way um 
you got to have your back against the wall somehow at some point. Right. You know, and that's why, you know, people say that maybe maybe the answer is to legalize all drugs. Well, I don't think so because, you know, getting arrested and, and fear of going to jail and all that stuff was a large part of my reason I had to start making a change. But I don't know. But yeah, anyway, so who's who? Uh, so you're, it's just open house? It's open. It's free for anybody. If you want continuing education credits, it costs 20 bucks. Ah, but so you have yeah, you get credits. Nursing, social work in LA, DC, licensed Laydack. alcohol and drug counselors. So oh, yeah, wow. we give six credit hours. Oh, so that's brilliant. So that's that'll bring the people in to yeah, hear. Yeah, motivator. Yeah, motivator. we've, we've yeah, had each one we've done. We've had more people. I mean, the talks this this um, time are going to be. I'm doing a talk on harm reduction and the limits of evidence based medicine because they're using the the term. Evidence-based medicine, meaning it's a euphemism, I believe, for Suboxone and Methadone. Like, that's that's what we need. We yeah, need yeah. evidence-based medicine, and the evidence is that Suboxone. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, uh, Stuart, who we had on, Stuart Coleman, um, he would do clinical trials for the company mm-hmm. that he worked for, mm-hmm. and if there was a... Major adverse reaction that wouldn't be recorded. Right. Here, let, right. Let, no, you keep this out of the, the study. Positive studies. Keep this out of well, the study. Well, see, see, any statistic is majorly, majorly easy to manipulate. manipulate. Yes. Look yes. at the statistics about AA, and that's what gets under my skin about the statistics is because they say, "Oh, AA must not work," because look, he went to AA and he and he relapsed. Now he's using again. Well, he went back to AA. For four more months, and then he got sober, and he stayed sober for the next twenty-five years. But what that about don't that? count. But that doesn't count. The first time he went, it didn't work. That's right. There's a lot because you you go in and out of the door five times, but you only got sober once. And as <laughs> as anybody that's, I mean, I've worked in clinical trials, and we interview people, and we ask them, "Did you take your pills? Did you do this?" And if you, I mean, no disrespect meant, but when you're talking to active drug users who are in your study. And you ask some questions, they might lie. Oh, I know. And, and that was, okay, yeah. so how do you feel? Um, I feel uh, okay. Did you get high before you came in? Um, uh, no. No? Do you want me to say no? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, yes, yes, that's I did. The, oh, all right, so you're, you're in the trial, but we're not going to write down what you said. So just, you know... Uh, I mean, you're what I mean showing is, up. Uh, that's all we want. Yes, we want yes. you to we need, show up. We need what numbers. I mean is, I have, I have anxiety and pain. Is that what you want me to say? Yeah. And, <laughs> How and, do I get my script? But I mean, the, the larger <laughs> issue is exactly it. Statistics can be manipulated to say right. whatever it is you Absolutely. want it to say. Right. Absolutely. And, they and, they and, do it with television. They do it with fast food. They do it with anything they want. Right. And so anything. And so. Um, so uh, evidence-based medicine. The limits of evidence-based medicine is what I'm going to be talking about. Right. And, and, and evidence-based medicine to them is something that they can look at in a chart, mm-hmm. a spreadsheet. Yes. And they, can, and they can say, okay, check, 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 and check some boxes. And it's not messy, you know. Right. Which um, I, I guess I can understand that for people who are thinking of systems and um, large numbers of people. The problem is, it's not reality. You're 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 shuffling the. You know, you, it's not yeah, reality. It's well, not for the population reality. that 
that I deal with. Right. I mean, because they're unpredictable, they are in denial, they're defensive, they're, you know, right. all of these, you know, minimizing. Yes. Right. They have, they, they don't know anything else. Right. That's they, all they, they do know. What they they have to do. Survival mode. Right. Like, and, and that's hard to let go of. Right. And, you know, and, you know, and I would, I was living in my, my, um, imaginary uh you know over optimistic world where you know i was fine i was going to turn it around any any day yeah. oh i got know? this and yeah and uh and obviously um when some when i first came into treatment and they told me that uh that i was an alcoholic how ridiculous is that i've been doing dope that's why i'm here i'm doing I haven't heroin. drank in three months i have been doing heroin that's my problem mm. No, it's 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 using chemicals as a coping mechanism. Yes. Using chemicals not to feel feelings, using chemicals to change who you are or what your mood is, that's or, your yeah, problem. Yeah, or how you feel. It's, that's your it's, problem. You know, for me it's a they're they're trying to treat a spiritual problem with a chemical mm, solution. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Well, in, yeah. in the spiritual aspects, it's very difficult. People don't want to hear that. Oh, word. no way. No I way. I mean, we have to tiptoe around your higher power or God. God yep. is a, I mean, yep. I always use it. I, I don't care because I, I'm old enough now and I've been around long enough, so they can't fire me anymore. Yeah. But to say <laughs> yeah. what you need yeah. to say. Right. Um, you said I, something that I would – go ahead. I'll come back to it. Yeah, I, like I've, I've – I can look back on my life and see where someone, something intervened, mm. you know, and it, it it guided me where I needed to go to get where I am. Well, it's all about mm. human connection. The mm. whole thing is really about human connection anyway. It's like I can't make you use, I can't make you stop using, but I can treat you as like a child of God who's worthy of a good mm. life. You That's right. You just have and to I be think able to... Yeah, that's that's exactly Grab right. A hold on to something. Being worthy, and you don't look at yourself as worthy, mm. and you you you're afraid to face the fact that you don't believe that you're worthy of a good life, and you're running from that, and you're th- justifying your actions, and you just want to get high, and uh, and um, you're identifying as someone who gets high. You've created an identity around it. Mm. The 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 the. Uh, the politics of identity, the identity um, that you create when you're young, when you're 13 in the, in the, in the um, second identity crisis, they call it, when you start um, latching on to whatever it is that, that will make you feel okay and your get you accepted, group, your, your peer group, right. And you, you go from there and you just, you know, that's when most of us start using Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's usually alcohol or weed or whatever. Everybody and, still to this day. How old were you and what was your first substance? And it was always cannabis or alcohol. Right. Yeah, I think the first right. thing I did was weed. I was like 11. Mm-hmm. I did. Mine was alcohol. But it, it it doesn't really matter. That's just because it's the most socially acceptable. And the ones that are legal at this point. I mean. Yeah, you and, know nicotine. We don't even talk about nicotine. Yeah. But, um, oh, very oh, powerful. Sugar, <laughs> sugar. Yes, sugar is a massive drug. But and then everybody's on Adderall because teachers can't tolerate children anymore. Oh, I know it. Yeah. So that's an. I mean, but that's kind of like where it's come. If you have more than five years of sobriety, 
thank your lucky stars because everything is off. The, you know, everything is on the table. Oh, I couldn't. I can't even. Uh, you know, my what I, I got exactly what I needed. My higher power provided me with yep. the only possible uh, camel through the needle that I mm-hmm. I needed. You know, there was there was no other way because I needed somebody to yell in my face and that's what i got because i got a i was at a tc old school tc and um i was scrubbing tooth the floor with toothbrushes, toothbrushes. Yes. <laughs> at two in the morning and yes. that's what i needed most of the people i know that are sober that are in my age group all went to third nail or something like that and they have that's where they got sober yeah. third nail what's that that was one in in roxbury yeah oh, okay. I've, I've heard of that guys yeah and my ours was was Project Turnabout. Project Turnabout. I have, yeah. you know, yeah. Out in Hingham. Yeah. It was originally in Hull, and it was co-ed. And if you were a drug addict, you could earn privileges to drink on your pass. Wow, yeah. that's really going back <laughs> a long yeah. time. A long yeah, time. So I, I shared yeah. a post today, and it was uh, it was talking about um, <laughs> limbic oh, resonance. Yeah. It is about being in a room an example and and my cousin actually really liked it it's about being in a room full of calm people and it calms you down mm. oh yeah and like so getting basically getting For on sure. the same vibration or wavelength as the people you surround yourself with absolutely, yeah, absolutely. and yep. like if i get around negativity i become negative oh yeah you know and so like i see all these new people coming in Hanging out together and falling off. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. when when I came in, it was like you go with those guys over there. They have a lot of time. You listen to what they say and do what they do. Right. And, and I can't, I can't think myself. I can't think my way into right action, but I can act my way into right thinking. That's right. Ah, I like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. that's another sad part of today. Is as we talked about earlier. DPH insists that you take all comers. You can't. I mean, I work at a program that has three halfway houses, and I have begged the director to make one halfway house drug-free. Can't yeah, do it. It's, can't you can't do it, do it because like, they need the funding from the Department of Health. DPH yeah, we, 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 will not allow you We talked have. a little bit about this. Like, all right, That's you got a guy sitting in a treatment center, or say this 15 guys. Ten of them want to be sober, completely abstinent. You got five guys who are doing medical assisted treatment. Those ten guys' chances have now just lessened mm-hmm. quite a bit. Quite a bit because they're new in recovery. They're looking over at the guy across the room who's and it still nodding looks out. Good. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, like I've I've seen I've seen people like I can't. He's on it. Why can't I be? Everyone always says like you're 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 about as successful as the as your your um your closest five friends or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. what they say. It's the same thing. It's the same type of deal. You're gonna you're gonna kinda you're monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. You are who the company you keep. Yes. Yeah. And like if it, you're if you're there with these people who they don't want to get sober. Right. Right. You know? And there's a lot of people in treatment that do not want to get sober. They're homeless. They need a little time out. Yep. Their right. PO has sent them there. Yep. They That's and and that's another thing. Like okay, you can be on probation, but if you have a prescription for your Suboxone, mm. you can test dirty all the time. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How does that work? When when I was when we were in treatment, it was like, you don't want to be here. 
You want to be here? You don't want to be here. You're wasting good get high time. Hit the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that, you would be that would be ACLU material. Oh, that's, it's, that, but yeah. but it it worked. It like, worked. Yes, of it course worked. it did. It worked. It made you think like, wow, do I really? Yes, I want this. I want to live. Aww. You know, and and like you can't do that now. This political correctness. Mm-hmm. That's true. You right. can't and say it, nothing anymore. And again, <laughs> you can't say nothing. Of course, you know, th- there's there's room for compassion. Yes. There's always room for compassion and understanding, and and I and I and I uh, I'm huge on that. But at the same time, compassion and understanding is playing right into the ha- hands of the con artists that we all are when we're out there using. It's like your your bread for that. That's what your your bread and butter is. is con, con yeah. artists, you know, bullshit. You're bullshitting your parents. You're bullshitting your friends. You're bullshitting your dealer. You're bullshitting everybody else yep. all along the line. You're bullshitting everybody in your whole life. You think yep. you're not good at it? No, you're the best. That's the best thing you're good at. Yeah. How do you, you know an me? active addict's lying? Their lips are lips moving. Lips are moving. Oh, that's horrible. People get so mad at me. <laughs> oh, it's true though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nothing that came out of my mouth was the truth. No, I lied about everything. Yeah, Everything, especially to yourself. If I right, <laughs> if, if I'm gonna get what I need, I'm lying. I'm looking good. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing fine. 120 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I look great. So I, <laughs> okay. you know, so listening to you guys, it gives me hope, but it also, I'm feeling hopeless. What? How can? How can somebody get sober today? Other than hearing strong voices like right, yours, right? Well, because you know there are certain 12 step programs. Who uh, you know um, don't do it for money, yes. and they're not beholden for free to, and for fun. They're not beholden to um, to be DPH. They're not yep. beholden to the insurance companies. Yep. They're not. You know, they're here to, to give you the real deal and no, the real I truth. Know. Recovery is out there. If you search if you for really it, want it, if you really want it, and you you know you you like I've been sober, and I've been in recovery. I was here. Sober, seven and a half years, did no recovery. I got everything back that I thought would make me feel okay, and I wanted to hang myself mm-hmm. at seven and a half years sober. And then, the then it was revealed to me. And, and it's not like, I say it, it's not like people didn't discuss it. It's not like I walked into a meeting and they took that book that was on the table and hid it and said, oh, Chris is here. He don't need to see this. No, it was being discussed. You know, I just, I was, I was abstinent for a long time. And then I got into recovery. Well, go ahead. That's the thing. It's, it's about having a psychic change. It's about Mm. working on your inner self, understanding yourself and changing um, it's hard work. Yeah. Changing your identity. I still slip all the time. Mm-hmm. Ch- changing the person, that how you view yourself. Mm. Believing that you're already all right and getting used to feeling feelings. Yeah. No. You know? No. 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 Don't feel feelings. Not those. Jeez. Hit me with that bat, but don't make me feel feelings. <laughs> you know? How, I can take how pain. How scary can that be when you, you, I always say to them, like, they're afraid of that kind of thing, stepping off the cliff. If I cry or if I open my heart, something awful will happen. I'm like, something awful? I said, you used to go to a corner that you didn't even know who was there. That's I, I use that example all the time. I would walk into the seediest, darkest, grimiest neighborhoods that's right to get what i need yep but to walk into a church basement or a recovery center to 
save my life, I would be scared. Right, that's right. And uh, you know, I used to, I used to be walking walking around the in the middle of South South Brockton. Ah, yeah. In, at two in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, no big deal, but uh, you know, actually get down to some truth that's inside of me. Whew, look yeah. out, that's scary. Yeah. You know. I have a question. So the the one medication we haven't talked about is Vivitrol. Um, my my personal opinion is mm-hmm. I think it's great. Okay. For guys that are coming out of prison, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is that the one that goes for thirty days? Yeah, you can't yeah. shoot, yeah, uh, dope for thirty days. Well, you, you, can. you can't get high. You can, you will, you won't feel high. Oh, you, okay, you can still overdose on Vivitrol. Yeah. Your body will Vivitrol. die. I use Vivitrol. It blocks the opiate receptor, mm. so that at least for the first mm, twenty-three days, twenty-three days, exactly, you're not going to be able to feel anything. I mean, any narcotic if you use. And unfortunately, right. you might keep using and therefore you will overdose because you won't feel yeah. anything. Right. Yeah. I think it's for, for guys that are, are coming out of jail. I think there's one one of the jails not too far from here. Like, Dead you have to. Yeah. Not, you, you get the shot when you leave. Oh, Whether, really? You're not leaving if you don't sign this. A lot so of the guys the that I have um, are Which, from uh, jails or prison even. But it yeah. gives them that. That buffer just to even think, like, why did I do that? Why I don't want to do? I don't want this life, you know. And they're right. not going to die as soon yeah, as they leave. Yeah, I mean, the, the good yeah. news is it's not addictive. You can stop at any time. Yep. You can take oral. I um, and people use it for alcohol too, which I can't figure out how it works. But what they tell me and what I've read is that it decreases your cravings. Mm. So even if you huh. you can still drink on it. But what people say is that after a sip, they're not interested. Mm. So it's huh. kind of like when, when they were prescribing the um, the vets Wellbutrin. Mm-hmm. And how you feel? Uh, still kind of messed up, but I stopped smoking. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and, and so now yeah. Wellbutrin is prescribed yeah. at, for a, a smoking cessation. cessation. Yeah. You know? Huh. Like, yeah, I'm still kind of depressed, but I stopped smoking. I yeah. have one guy that has just finished 19 months worth of um, Vivitrol, which is the longest I've ever had anybody on it. He um, He's married, and when he started coming to see me, um, he sounds like it's a healthy relationship. He was working, he's construction, but he wasn't in the union, and he kept he kept smoking pot. So I said, you know, you got to do what you got to do, yeah. you know. So then he found that it... He could get into a union, but he would be screened when he got into the union. Mm-hmm. So he stopped smoking pot. So I think, you know, I don't know what to think. He doesn't use meetings. He goes, I may have to start going to meetings now yeah. because he's thinking of getting off of uh, Vivitrol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. So, I, know, I know some people that have been on it for quite a long time. He's never used narcotics again, no coke, nothing like that. Yeah. Just, you know, smoking cannabis. Really? He yep. took Vivitrol for smoking cannabis? Well, no, 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 no. He, he, he oh, had a okay. heroin problem. Oh, all right. Yeah, but, I, <laughs> I mean, so. I, know, I know someone that I worked with. Um, he got injured at work. He was put on prescription pain medication. And if he got tested and, and came up positive, he had that prescription. He was fine. He didn't want to live that way anymore. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the first people to get his medical marijuana card. He used Suboxone to get off of the pain medication, and he did. He supplemented with cannabis, and the way that weed's grown today, it's tailor made for whatever you need. 
Um, and, you know, it helped him. He got off of the opiates and, and it relieved his pain. It, it did what it needed to do. But when he got tested at work, boom. He popped for you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. 23 years. You got to go. You're done. Yeah. What? That's awful. But but you would allow him to operate heavy equipment under the influence of opiates with all of us around, and it was not a problem. He smokes a little whatever before he comes to work, and now he can't. Well, I think the unions, you know. that's an area, I mean, because I talked to this, this guy, Jay, who's graciously allowed us to use the electrical. Is that it? 103 is electricians? Yes. Mm, yeah. Um, and they only allow people to be on Suboxone for six months. Oh, uh, union workers? Yeah. Yeah. 103. I don't think we uh, – I don't – think we have a i'm in uh local seven iron workers mm-hmm. and i don't think we uh have a policy i'm you not sure must because yeah if you have I an mean, eap if you pop if you well maybe but if you pop for opiates they send you to uh EAP. modern assistance yeah right well that's yeah. what local 103 does too um i think Sh- sean neely yep from you he's going to speak at our program oh is he really yeah yeah. Oh boy, I um, should probably come. I yes, guess. <laughs> come on down. Yeah. It's when free. is it? The eighth. Saturday the eighth. Saturday the eighth. Yeah. So that's next Saturday. Uh, next Saturday. What time? It's like eight of three thirty or four. You oh, can drop right. in work, anytime. Working hours. I mean, mm. I will. Are you working Saturday? I always work Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think what we haven't looked at is you know we see adolescents with drug problems, but like the employed nurses. Oh yeah, union workers. I mean, mm-hmm. people that are in regular run-of-the-mill jobs. Yeah, um, blue collar have have problems with drugs. That yeah, we haven't addressed. And oh yeah, I mean, I had a kid who was a glazer, and he was on Suboxone. And I said, "Does your union know it?" He goes, "No." You know, and I, I work and, with the glazers, and, that's how and I that's do the, the thing. Like, it, yeah. unless they're specifically testing for it, mm-hmm. no, we're testing you for perks and heroin, right, and coke, and weed, right. They're not going to test him for Suboxone. But he's a you know. glazer. I'm like, oh, my God. You yeah. Know? God yeah. knows, you know, cut cutting, I mean, glass and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, we do dangerous stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I work with the glazers. That's how I, I, uh, we uh, team up with them, and, and we do, yeah, we're, we're hoisting heavy stuff over people's heads all the time. And yeah. Always on the edge of the building. So, so if um, dangerous. are there any websites that anyone can get a hold of you or um, recovery yes, matters yes recovery matters ma.org if you go to that it's recovery matters ma for massachusetts.org you will see who we are what we're about and there'll also be a, a link to signing up for the conference if you want excellent the free conference is on on the 8th saturday the 8th at, at local, local 103, 103 hall on freeport street, street. Dorchester, right, and you get college credits uh, for twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, twenty bucks, twenty bones, kid. That sounds good. <laughs> maybe, sounds real good. Maybe I might attend that. I appreciate all the work you guys are doing. I really do. I mean, it, the just, more we put it out there and talk exactly. about it and let people know that awareness to yes. be aware is to be alive. To be aware is to be alive. That was our motto at, at Turnabout. Project Turnabout. <laughs> Every we had to be aware of everything. Yeah, everything. To be so, aware, to be alive, and I still use it. And and you know, it's it's all about it's all about understanding. Yeah, because the the truth is out there. Sure is. Yeah. <laughs> set you free. And the yes. truth will set, set you free. free. That's right. All right. So 
What did we do? We just about did it. Yep. You guys did Once it. again, yep. lolterms.com. Yep. Uh, the Life on Life Terms podcast on Google Play and iTunes. iTunes. Uh, the group on Facebook. Life on Life's Terms. Life on Life's Terms podcast. Podcast is in all capitals is the group. And if it's not capitals, that's the business page. Right. Um, so, Which, you know, we're learning all this stuff. Yeah. We're new. We're, we're, new. <laughs> we're not really a business. Yeah, not, not yet. Not yet. Hopefully, not yet. someday. Life on Life's Terms Foundation might happen. All right. Yes. At some point. When you open a place, I'll be there. Yes. All right. I Absolutely. Write <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Brian. 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 Yes. yes. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate it. Peace. Peace. I live in this world full of anger and